Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today I am joined by the owner and co-founder of Australian-made self-tanning sun care and skincare range, Bondi Sands, and that is Blair James. Now, this chat was extremely interesting. I really enjoyed it. It's very business-related. Blair gives us some extremely interesting insight into not only the business and the company in Bondi Sands itself, but also his business mindset, the way he operates as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, and kind of what makes him tick, what drives him to be successful, and and how he goes about his everyday life in regards to building this company and being a successful individual and entrepreneur. So I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. If you do, please do take a screenshot of the show today, post it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Blair. We'd love to get your feedback from the show. But for now, I'm going to let you enjoy the interview. All right, Blair, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm actually excited about today. So, guys, we've uh, we've just been having a chat before we even press record, and um, I was actually interested to see what you said about you know some of the questions you've been asked before, and and whether you enjoy doing the podcast and what type of stuff you've talked about. So, I'm going to get the big, the big annoying, not annoying, but the, the obvious question out of the yeah. way, nice and early, before we get stuck into the rest of it. And that is, how did the idea of Bonar Sands come about initially? Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm this question. <laughs> I reckon yeah, a couple of hundred times yeah. now, but uh, it's all good. It's um, Yeah, I mean, it really started back in my salon in, in Port Melbourne. Um, yeah. I opened that tanning salon back in 2006. And um, yeah, by 2010, um, I think people were starting to become a bit more aware around, I guess, the you know, dangers of laying in the sun too long. And you know, obviously, you know, what say UV light can do to your skin, not just from a health benefit, but also um, an aesthetic benefit yeah. as well yeah. for aging type of thing so yeah i think people were becoming more educated around 2010 on how to look after their skin so spray tans off the back of that were becoming really popular mm-hmm. um yeah we went from doing maybe 20 or 30 a week to at some stage doing 140 a day so like it just really like, exploded yeah. yeah um so i get to the point where literally some days we'll spray tan every 15 minutes from 8 a.m through to like 11 night. so around that spring racing time that yeah, was yeah, yeah. You know, the busiest time and um, so we got to the point I was turning people away. People come in and say, like, I just can't fit you in. Yeah. You know, and, Good you know, problem have. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the dream. Yeah. And um, I started recommending other self-tanning products. So, you know, go try Central Pay or go try the tan or whatever. And it was, I still look back at that time and that salon as like the best customer research I ever had. Mm. Six years yeah. of listening to people complain about fake tan and self-tan. So I knew everything that people hated. Yeah. I knew everything that people wanted from a product. Um, so then really got to the point where I started thinking to myself, well, why is a self-tanning, like a spray tan, so much better than um, an actual self-tanning product you buy off the shelf? Mm. Um, so I thought to myself, we'll start making our own spray solution. Yeah. And I started using it at the salon. After a couple of months, people come in and actually asking for that product because um, they love that experience. And that was you know, when the light bulb goes off and you sort of go, okay, well, I can take this now yeah. and turn it into a self-tanning product. Yeah. Um, and that was really where it started. That, that process took about 18 months to okay. get a self-tanning range out of that salon spray tan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, uh, around 2010. That led up to the launch of uh, the product into Priceline. 2012, with just three products at the time, um, or three products and an accessory. Yeah. And yeah, we went from there. But it was through that process, um, 
you know, we kind of came across our brand values and what we yeah. wanted to yeah. have as a brand. And one of them was to be Australian made. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, everyone was going offshore. Everyone yeah. was manufacturing in, in China. Just because it was cheaper? Or Just cheaper. Yeah. That was all that really mattered. Yeah. Um, we believed in supporting Australian industry. Um, we wanted an Australian made product. Yeah. Um, and so that was important to us. And uh, I think that's a trend that sort of you know, caught on over the years yeah. since. Um, we wanted the product to be selling quality, mm -hmm. uh, which is still is today. Um, and we wanted to really sell that Australian lifestyle um, yeah. to be accessible. So that they're sort of values that we still adhere to today. When we launch a new product, if it doesn't adhere to those values, then yeah. the product doesn't get launched. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, obviously with a successful company and successful product, firstly, the product itself needs to be good, which obviously, obviously it is. But in terms of keeping those values um, the same as the business continues to grow, when you're like hiring new staff, when you're looking at influencers to use to, to promote it, when you're looking at how you go about campaigns and stuff like that, is there their core kind of values that you make sure you cover to, to whether or not you accept um, certain people or certain campaigns? Definitely, yeah. yeah. We, we definitely look towards, you know, when we bring new staff in um, or even yeah, new influencers, it's, we, we want to work with people that are brand fans first. Yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, obviously experience is uh, important for new staff, but it's really uh, if they're passionate about our brand and they believe in our brand, that makes it you know so much easier because they almost believe in our values before they start. Yeah, they yeah. already believe in the product, understand yeah. the selling quality. The influencers, you know, they're already using the product because yeah. uh, they've been using it at a time and they believe in those values. So yeah. if you, I guess, recruit people that are already brand fans, that's already maintaining your brand message anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's something I think we've been able to do really well. Mm. We've been able to recruit and uh, build our team, but also who we align with. You know, we yeah. had, um, you know, you know, early days uh, when we weren't a big brand. Yeah. get a lot of influencers come to us and say, oh, well, this brand's offered me this much to work with. And, and my response pretty much day one was go and work with them. Yeah, take uh, it. Yeah. yeah. We pretty much took that stance from day one. Yeah, Unless good. you're a Bondi fan, um, we don't want you representing the brand. And yeah. That was a culture that really bred through the brand. And it, most of the time, the people that we told to go away would eventually come back and want to work with us. Yeah. Um, so it's really about having that respect for your brand and, um, you know, I guess having that belief on that you are better. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that's a powerful way to grow your brand. And early days, obviously, the product itself was good. What were the kind of mains, uh, the main ways you guys built the brand? Was it through influencers? Was it through, um, you know, because a lot of people who listen to the, the podcast have got a bit, bit of a mix. People that are just fitness fanatics, those that are into business, those that are into marketing. So it's a bit of a, a range. So what type of marketing, I guess, tactics did you go with to, to build the brand from the ground up? I mean, we, we built, I suppose we grew up with social media. I, mm. um, we were probably, you know, I was, what, 30 years of age when you know, Instagram was launched. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, social media was really the first, you know, uh, channel to look at. Um, yeah. PR was a big part of it as well. We okay. believed, as you mentioned, the product was very good. So PR allowed us to get product into people's hands. Mm -hmm. And that was important to us because we give people a good experience. Um, people who sell tans on the skin for seven days, they'll continue yeah. to use it ongoing. Yeah. Um, but as a, a small startup, like most you know, small startups, we didn't have a lot of money. So we were looking for any opportunity to reach mass audiences yeah. with, um, with minimum uh, funds. So it was really the beginning of that influencer rise yeah, in yeah. 2012, 2013, where we came across Steph Glesmith, obviously still the face of our brand today. Yeah. Um, she was, I think she had about 120,000 followers at the time. Okay. And, you know, at the time, these people, they weren't getting 
paid that much money. And, mm. you know, it was really... It's fine, I heard of that one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah like, you know, I know a couple of hundred bucks yeah. for the post. So you're reaching 100,000 um, people <laughs> for, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. And with the the, uh, the reach being so good organically, at that point with Instagram, you literally were reaching a couple yeah. hundred thousand, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's sort of hard to, um, I suppose, understand if you're a new brand today, understanding how hard it is to reach people yeah. to this day and age, yeah. to comprehend what it was like 2013. It was like, it was almost a gold rush yeah. for brands in a way, Definitely. for influencers and for brands. Yeah. And I suppose today, now we're looking at TikTok, yeah. You know, like, hey, let's can we get the same uplift of what we did out of Instagram? Yeah. You know, and keep an eye on those new platforms and making sure you're doing it well. Yeah. Um. You know, consumers are always looking for brands to you know, I guess, market their brands in different mediums in different ways. So showing that you can adapt your brand message to each of these new platforms is interesting to consumers. Yeah, it is because they are all completely different, isn't it? It's yeah. like you, it's funny how you see some of the people that will blow up on on TikTok now have no no uh, profile in on any other yeah. platform and you'll see the opposite you see some people coming from instagram to tiktok and it won't won't translate because even like i've been looking i've been trying to um you know play around with it a little bit and just put some content on there and see how it goes and see what works and what doesn't and yeah. so far absolutely fuck all of it okay. is working to be honest yeah. but but because it's just different like the, the content that's doing well on there is not the type of stuff that i would typically do no whereas really. i've got like my physio he's been putting on you know, 10 second clips of him doing just weird shit with clients like giant needling and they're getting millions of views. Yeah. Just because of the reach, the organic reach is just so big for that space at the moment mm. in, in, you know, maybe the hashtag physio. Is that, do you reckon, because um, on Instagram, obviously with a lot of your content, it's informational and educational. Yeah. Uh, so it's more of an entertainment app with yeah. TikTok, isn't it? Yeah. Someone's got an hour to burn and they just flip through TikTok. <laughs> like, oh, no. I don't yeah. know what these people do with their days. So yeah. They come up with that, that <laughs> shit. Um, what I was going to say is, what with the with the company obviously that's doing so well like yours is, there. I'm assuming there's been a fair bit of adversity as well. Like it hasn't all just been win 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 win. So what's um you know personally what's your um, process I guess of dealing with something that hasn't worked whether it be you know, I don't really like the word failure but yeah something that just hasn't worked out. What what's the process there? Do you take that as a bit of a learning curve or? Oh, definitely. I think um you, you I think that's. How any brand succeeds, you take the learning out of whether you win or whether you lose. Mm. Uh, yeah, some people talk about. I think it's the most fashionable talk about. Oh, look, you learn more from your from your losses. I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, I learn a lot from the way we win as well. Like, yeah. I know if a product sells very well and a marketing campaign goes well, well, I know that you know what we spoke about resonates with our consumer. What we did with that product works. So yeah, both are important. Um, what we take out of losses um, is, again, it's just really working out what the consumers don't want to see, for mm. example. Um, or looking at a product that didn't wasn't what a, a consumer needed in their, in their yeah. day of life. Like we do look back at, um, you know, a lot of the time we look at data to work out whether clients or customers are after a certain product. Yeah. A lot of the time we try to create it before they, they realize that they, they need want it. it or yeah, yeah, so yeah. sometimes it may be a guess. Um, in terms of what we think is a great product, and mm-hmm. you know, we've got a great team that understands self tan inside and out. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we get it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely all, all part of it. You know, mm-hmm. we've had some massive fails. We had yeah. um, in sort of about second year in, we had our launch of our self tanning lotions, and uh, you know, the product actually went green within three months of producing it. So Shit. we'd already gone through stability with our manufacturer. Should have been good. 
I mean, our product is a green-based product, so when you put that on your skin, it's supposed to give you that olive skin tone. Yeah. Um, so it does have a slight green tinge to it, but you're not supposed to look like the Hulk when you put it on. <laughs> um, but we were starting to get all this feedback with these customers going, oh, I bought your product, it's yeah. bright green, it's supposed to look like that, and we're like, uh, no. Um, no, it's not. Yeah. So from that, it's about, you know, you know that tests you, you know, immensely, because it's mm. about how do I now communicate this to our retailers, yeah. how do I still keep them on side, that working with distributors and making sure, you know, they still have confidence in your product. Yeah. And then at the end, um, yeah, I think it, you, know, you learn to be as transparent as possible and, and try to you know, try to do the best by all your partners. Um, and then at the end of it, once you fix the problem, you have customers coming back asking why the product isn't green anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that's your green product. Yeah. So, um, that was probably our tough, toughest learning curve, okay. I think, um, yeah. and biggest fail. Yeah. The product. And when that idea does come through for whether it be a new product, whether it be a certain direction you want to go with with campaigns, whatever. What's the process in terms of that, that goal setting process from the idea to it actually happening? Is it go like, do you guys have a system you like to follow um, in that regard? Generally, you know, we're, we're a, um, a retail facing brand. That's, we've always been to be retail first. Online is only something we're really starting to build now. We yep. always believe that support the retailers and that's, you know, that'll allow us to grow to sit alongside these multinational yeah. brands. So. That's obviously at the forefront of, you know, when we're thinking of a new product, it needs to be something that has a, like a global appeal. Mm. And generally, I mean, this year we'll launch uh, 42 products this year. So it's a hell of a lot of product. Yeah. And, you know, very few companies launch as much as what we do. Um, so we're constantly, you know, we workshop probably once a week about new products. And, okay. and then, so we did a lot of time we'll sift through those and we'll see which one is the one that, you know, people are really after. Yeah. What's the most innovative? Yeah. As a brand, um, you want to those core values mentioned before is about being innovative. Yeah. We do believe we're the most innovative brand in the market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we sort of look at you know all the, the products we've discussed or workshopped over the year over the year. Um, and sort of call out the one that we can launch as a, as a global launch. And okay. then it's about thinking about okay, well, what territories can it go to? Um, how what's the content going to look like? How do we uh, uh, you know design that content so it resonates with the US audience, it resonates with the UK audience, it yeah. resonates here in Australia. Um, and then sort of going through that process in terms of how to roll it out from a product standpoint to marketing, yeah. um, in-store marketing as yeah, well as yeah, yeah. marketing. So there's a lot of stages to it. Yeah. Um, but generally, you know, from a start of product through to launch, we're looking at around 12 to 18 months. Okay. Um, and it's a long process. It is a long process. Yeah. yeah. We used to do it a lot faster. Yeah. We were cowboys in the like earlier on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were a lot more planned yeah. now. Um, but that comes from having you know these global partners. You know, yeah. Close to, uh, over twenty two thousand stores around the world now. Um, so you need to make sure your plans are on point. Yeah. Um, and you execute them the way you're saying that you will. Unreal. And you obviously said before in regards to you know that you take a lot away from wins as well as learn from your losses. How do you not get caught up in the fact that things are going so well and just get to the point where you're just coasting along and and I guess probably taking things for granted. I guess. Like, what do you do to kind of to keep yourself grounded and to make sure that you're staying on top of the game and not just letting yourself kind of cruise along? Yeah, we. I mean, I think as a brand, we're very competitive. Yeah. Um, and as a consumer, you'll see us launch a product, and say that that product is you know launching on uh, 26th of Australia, uh, 26th of January, for example, Australia. Um, the day the consumers see that launch, we're already working on the product that will launch in September. So yeah. as soon as you know we've launched something and put it live, mm. we're already focused on the next thing. Yeah. So we're always always in motion. Yeah. Um, so you don't we don't ever really sit back and go, um, oh yeah, we just outsold everybody else. We don't want something yeah, yeah, in the yeah. market. We don't yeah. need to do anything more. We're already on that next, on the next thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, my business partner and I, you know, Sean, 
we've always been very competitive and we set ourselves a goal of becoming the number one sub tan brand in the world, yeah. uh, which we achieved this year. Um, now it's about how do we take that following and push it out to sun care. And there's always the next yeah. step. And um, I think, you know, the team's been so successful because they also share that ambition to get bigger and better as well. So yeah. it's really for us, it's like, as soon as, you know, we don't allow ourselves to, um, I guess, look back on a campaign too long, we review it a, yeah. a week after it's gone live, yep. see what worked, what didn't, pick out the bits we can, and then we're on to the next. Yeah. And that's what's been something that's made our brands very hard to compete with, mm. this is that speed to market. Yeah. We're just, it's that constant repetition almost gives brands very little air to breathe yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when they're trying to launch They're trying to ca- yeah. always playing catch up. Exactly. Unreal. Yeah. And um, and before like before you got into uh, before you started Bondi Sands, like what like what were your goals, I guess, long term for yourself? Um, before that, uh, before Bondi, like I said, I opened the salon when I was twenty six and started Bondi around thirty, so I don't know, so four years. Yeah. Um, business has always been something that I've loved. Yeah. Uh, entrepreneurship, something yeah. I've always loved, and product development. Like I've done it you know, in various ways since I was a kid. Okay. Um, when I opened the salon, it was about, I was going to, in my mind, when I first opened, I was going to open 10 salons. Right. It was always about... Was that, did it always end up just being, was it the one? Just the one. The and one, then yeah. Bondi came along and it was yeah, like, yeah. no, I want to go all in on this. So awesome. I sold the salon and, yeah. and went into that. Um, before that, before the salon, I was in real estate. So okay. I had a bit of a, you know, it was, uh, that was a tough period of my life. Um, after my dad passed away and, and mum had just passed away from ovarian cancer. So okay. it kind of, um, it puts you, I remember in that part of my life, I was a bit, I felt like I was a bit stuck, Yeah, I think. It was kind of like all the things that I felt like I was meant to do in life, it was literally just turned to getting through day to day. Okay, yeah. Getting up, yeah. doing a job I can earn my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was, that sort of, I think, yeah, I was stuck there for about sort of five, six years. Um, opening that salon was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Came back, you know, Gave you purpose. That, yeah. yeah, that entrepreneurial yeah. spirit as well. Yeah. And I opened a clothing store. Um, okay. On Grill Street at one yeah. time. Um, so I was always on something else. I was yeah, making yeah. a car product with a mate of mine that we sold to um, Autobahn. Yeah, right. Um, so this stuff's always on, on the go. Yeah. I always think about what's, what's next. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think that's, you know, what drives a lot of Bondi as well. It's just kind of like, yeah, again, definitely. it's like taking something you've learned. Oh, yeah. That's great, but we can do this now. Yeah. Um, and that's what keeps me motivated, I think, is what's, what's the next What's step. next, yeah. Was there, was there ever anybody, and is there anybody now that you kind of look to for, I wouldn't say inspiration or anything, but... But people in business or entrepreneurship that you that you like to consume their content or take ideas from, even maybe some books that you read early on. Yeah, I think um, these are going to be really obvious ones. Um, yeah. I, I love Steve Jobs. Um, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, so many people do. But it's just that way of just thinking that you know, thinking outside of the square. I mm. like reading his um, what he's written because it, it does trigger for you, you know, to think more about actually what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, um, trying to be more creative with what you do um, and believing in what. You, you know, what your vision is. Everyone tells yeah. you, everyone we start a business, everyone, everyone knows better. Yeah. But they've never done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So having that belief in yourself about, you know, what you think is right for your brand, mm. um, I think that's, you know, something that I've picked up from him. Um, Richard Branson, uh, I yeah. like his mentality around, um, if you present it with an opportunity, take it, yeah. and work out how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't ever let something go, yeah. you know, just because you don't know how to do it today. Mm. Yeah. In two weeks' time, you can do that. Yeah, right. time or whatever. Yeah. So I think, um, and that's something which we do at Bondi as well. We look at a product and I don't know anything about that. 
who will go and find Let's out about it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's sort of two directions in, in life which uh, they turn to a lot. Um, yeah, they're probably the two. They're the two, so, yeah. Yeah. Do you still do, do you do much like personal development stuff now? Do you, do you attend like seminars? Do you listen to many audio books and podcasts? Um, I know we're talking about Podcasts before, I listen to a lot. Yeah. Uh, like I love listening like, to Tony Robbins. Okay, um, yeah. I'm a big believer in um, materializing thoughts, thinking, yeah. you know, thinking about and you know, visualizing your future. Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, um, I do think about that a lot. Yeah. Um, so podcasts are something I listen to uh, quite a lot. I think um, I haven't done a lot of uh, seminars and yeah. things like that. I think I'm more sort of thinking about like I'm, what I love about my job is being creative. Yeah. So my learning and I suppose um, stretching myself comes from within my brand. So it's like working with develop uh, with our product developers or working with the chemists to understand more about why formulation will yeah. work. Or, yeah. You know, working with our marketing agencies to really understand like how do we connect with the consumer. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of the learning comes from within the business. Within the business, and yeah. Yeah, that's where most of the learning happens. But as I mentioned, podcasts are always good. Uh, yeah. I spoke about before, I don't have to listen to music in the car anymore. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just podcasts. Podcasts, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, I'll have to send you through. I'll send you through a list of a few ones that I listen to yeah. after this. There's some really good ones. Like I'm very similar now. Like either podcasts, audio books, um, I just fall asleep if I try and read a book, so I'm useless for that. I'll just listen yeah. to it. But um, I, I've actually found with seminars because I used to go to a, a fair few, probably mainly to do with, with the whole fitness side of stuff, to, to learn new things. But, you know, my experience of going to the ones with the entrepreneurs and the, the salesmen and that type of stuff is that it is very just product-based or idea-based where you go away and you're motivated for the next day or two. And yeah. then you got fucking no idea what you even learned from the seminar. You're just feeling good about yourself when you left. Yeah. Whereas listening to an audio book or a podcast and actually implementing mm. the stuff you listen to. And I think a lot of it as well, it's like a lot of people have great ideas already. And, mm. you know, there's no set way in terms of like how you should build a business or how you're going to build a following or whatever it is. Everyone has a different way of doing it. And a lot of your value, what are your thoughts? Um, can be very much, you know, valued thoughts. And a lot of times you just need those actually just confirmed to yourself. Yeah. The two books that I read, um, but my two favourites um, is Shoe Dog. That yeah. That's sort of a Nike. Yeah, about Nike. Um, and also uh, Little Black Stretchy Pants uh, okay. by Chip Wilson. He's the founder okay. of Little. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I read like what those, those two founders wrote about building a brand, and there's so much that resonates with the way these guys talk in yeah. terms of. Um, you know, building a business and how to communicate with people and how to mm. build your teams that you read that and you go, I feel like that. That's how yeah. I feel about that. And, and you know, it, it actually gives it more value in your own mind. Yeah. Just simply because someone's used that those same thoughts to become successful. That so you're having as well. That's yeah. put action towards it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of it, you know, learning and um, yourself, it's not necessarily about learning new things. It's also about building the, um, I suppose, the belief you already have a lot of this yeah. that you need inside. Finding the courage to actually do something with it. Yeah. Do you do you do much, like do you have a, a daily routine or a morning routine that you like to stick to? Um, like I, I, every morning I do the same thing. Like I'll get up, um, usually do a quick prayer, then it's meditation, um, goal setting, and then gratitude before I leave the house. Okay. Yep. That's just something that I've kind of yep. built up over the last few years. So do you have anything that kind of gets you in that flow state or that um, positive mindset? I try to... It's changed over the years uh, in terms of you know what I've been exposed to. At, at the moment, um, 
uh, a fiance and I, we try to get to their 45. Okay, yeah. Morning, so it's either like, yeah. Get just, moving, yeah. Yeah, I like to get moving before you really check your phone. Yeah. Um, try to get that your, your mind going before being influenced by something in your phone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first in training, at the moment I'm doing intermittent fasting. So, okay, yeah. Um, not really eating until sort of, yeah, 12-ish. Not going out for many breakfast. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, about to be a boring breakfast date. Um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, so, 12 through 8 is where I'm eating at the moment. So, yeah, yeah black coffee after training. Yeah. Um, I feel that works for me. I yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel, um, yeah, breakfast is not really something that's made me feel like I've enjoyed eating. Yeah, yeah. It's always kind of doing its habit. Yeah. Yeah. But I do enjoy doing that session first thing in the morning. Yeah. Not checking the phone until after that session. Okay. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, when I'm ready to start my, my day. Yeah. Um, I used to find that you get up in the morning, check your phone, go through it for like an hour, and all of a sudden, you what have I done? Yeah. And, you know, really what it do for me, except yeah. I just think about the pointless stuff. Exactly. Um, so there's nothing too over the top, to yeah. be honest. Um, and then at the end of the day, I do like to try and get to the gym and do like a weight session, you know, like three nights a week as well with the, yeah. with the mate. So it's nothing too fancy. Yeah. Um, it's just about getting up, getting moving first um, before really getting stuck in the day. With the, uh, with the intermittent fasting, do you find uh, in that those hours in the morning, is that where you're punching out as much work as you can before you've had your first meal? Or do you find you, you can concentrate better later in the day once you've eaten? Or how have you found that? Um, I, don't really, I, I definitely find after I eat, then it makes me feel a little bit sluggish. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so when I'm, before I, you know, while I'm actually fasting, I feel pretty good. A bit more good. clarity, yeah. 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 And, it, it was, you know, intermittent fasting is something I've done on and off yep. over the last four years. Uh, and I do find that it makes me feel a bit lighter and probably a little bit more alert doing it. Okay, yeah. But I don't think it's you know, right for everybody. Like my fiance Mel, she hates it. Yeah. She's like, you sure see a person when she was going to die. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I enjoy it. And I did, like, I, I think there's some health benefits, not necessarily about how you look, but I think there's probably some uh, some wellness that can come out of it in terms of, you know, um, dementia and things like that later in life. Yeah, and yeah. And I've read, so... Yeah. So I thought if you can make those changes and get those uploads later in life, who knows? Why not? Yeah. Um, last question, mate, before we wrap things up. For somebody that's listening at the moment that um, you know may have an idea that they want to put into action and start their own business or maybe people listening that do have their own business at the moment, what's what's your best advice for someone to to grow it from where they are now? Yeah. Um, if, they have, if they're just thinking about the idea, um, they need to know that idea inside and out. Mm. Um, I meet with probably three or four business owners a week that want to start. Okay, yeah. And I'm asking, if, if I'm asking questions in that first meeting that you can't answer, or they can't answer, you don't know it well enough. Not really, um, yeah. So, you know, you really need to know your brand inside and out. So you can't ever do enough research, mm. uh, really know it inside and out. So that's probably the first part of it. Yeah. And that means everything from what your price point should be, what the retailer is going to be, how, what type of consumer you're going after, how you're going to market it, yeah. how you're going to manufacture it, what are the hero ingredients, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, you need to be able to, you know, give me a, like a, a three-minute pitch, you know, inside and out. Yeah. That stuff. So, um, yeah, probably just know your brand inside and out. The second part of it is, you know, once you're at that point and you know the brand inside and out and you believe in it, don't let people sway you away from what you believe is right. Listen to people, yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of the times you know the industry better than the people you're talking to. Yeah. Um, everyone will give you an opinion, um, but trust in what you've learned and what your yeah. vision is. Because um, a lot of the time, I think, I always about it for myself, if I like something, generally I don't think I'm anything special. I don't think I'm a unique person. Yeah. There's millions of people that are just like me and are probably going to be interested in 
something that I'm also interested in as well. Yeah. So yeah, be true to what you know you believe your brain should be. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Really appreciate it. No worries. Um, guys, if you've enjoyed today's episode, which I'm sure you have, make sure you take, take a, uh, a screenshot of this episode and post it up on Instagram story for me within the next 30 seconds. I'll uh, put Blair's Instagram username in the, uh, the show notes below. So tag us both. I'd love to get some feedback on the episode and uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and tune in again for next week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in.